Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. This is an opportunity. I really feel that God has placed something on my heart. And I I just want to start off by saying this. I remember it like it was yesterday, being at a camp, 16 years old, meeting God for the first time. It was different. It was something that I never experienced before. It wasn't just emotional. I had emotional experiences before. This was something, this was something deeper than that. And I remember meeting God and thinking to myself, how can you love somebody as messed up as me? It came alive to me, the cross of Jesus Christ. The fact that he died, not just for us, but for me, for me. That if I was the only person on this earth, that if you were the only person on this earth, he died, he died. And this is an opportunity for your students kids camp, middle school, high school, to have an experience with God that they won't just lean on mom and dad's faith, but that they'll have their own faith. So if you want more information about camps, do me a favor. There's going to be Uh, a team at this info booth in the lobby and at this info booth in the lobby. If you want more information, if you want to find out more about it, if you want to find out about our student ministry, our kids ministry, whatever you want to find out about, you can go to those info booths and uh, and we'll give you uh, more information. Let's pray, y'all. Let's pray. And then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit into this and we're going to dive right in. Father, thank you. Thank you for blessing us with this this day, God. As your word says, this is a day that you have made and we will rejoice in and be glad in it. God, we thank you that that you're going to speak, that there is something that you want to give, that we, we aren't just here because it's traditional. We're here, God, because we want you. We want a word from you this morning, God. We want a word from you this morning, God. And we ask, God, we posture our hearts, we position ourselves to receive from the one true living God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you, Drew. I want to start off by giving honor where honor is. Do thank you, Pastor Don, for, for leading me, for pastoring me, for, for guiding me, for leading us, really for guiding us. One thing that, that you, you said, and, and I, I didn't plan on saying this, but I just, it's on my heart. You, you, you told me, 
that whenever you feel like there's something that you want to happen, you always think in your mind, does this really need more of me? Does, does the dependency of this getting better needs more of me? And I, and I love how you always push it back on the Lord and, and that I look up to that. And so as I, as I speak today, even you leading me, I'm going, this, this doesn't need more of me. This is, this is going to be the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Pastor Don. I love you. I love you so much. I'm, I'm so glad that you're in me and Bree's life. Uh, we love you and Kayla. And then Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul, hey, the one, the one and only, the one and only. Pastor Paul, he, he came running up to me at, uh, at meet and greet, and he said, he said, man, listen, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's drippy, or I don't know if it's fire, but you looking good today. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Listen, I want to have a conversation today. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> It's going to be about our next generation. And uh, usually I'm, I'm leading worship. Usually I'm behind the keys or, or I'm singing. But, but I'm talking about a lot, of, a lot of student stuff, you know, high school camp, middle school camp, you know, all these things because I'm not just the worship director, but I'm also the, the student pastor here. And, and I spend a lot of time serving Serving students, I spend a lot of time fighting for students, having conversations with students, staying up late at night about students who are dealing with issues. Did you know that students have emotions too? <laughs> Did you know that life is hard for them as well? These conversations are conversations that, that make me just cry sometimes at how desperate these students need God. And I spend a lot of my time fighting for them. You know, Jesus fought for the next generation. It's biblical. It says here in Mark 9, Jesus said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in me, in my name, welcomes me. It says in Matthew 18, in the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. And in Matthew 18, it says it like this. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble. Listen to this. This is, this is heavy. It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck. Jesus fought for the next generation. And God has given me a burden for the next generation, that I would pray in my prayer closet for the next generation. I don't just do this publicly. I have a heart for them privately. I think about them when, I, when I'm at home. Me and my wife have conversations about the next generation. God, what do you want us to do? They need you. God has given me a burden for the next generation. But the funny part about all this is that even though God has given me a burden for the next generation, I am also a part of the next generation. <laughs> I am also a part of the, I brought a chart I want them to put on the screen. I'm not trying to figure out how old you are, I promise. I want you to know how old I am, really. The boomers, 1946 to 1964, make some noise. Now nah, I'm playing. Hey, if y'all make some noise. Hey, there it is, come on. Generation X, 1965 to 1980. Come on. 
Now I was having a conversation with Tyler Summerlin, and he was, I was adamant that I was a millennial. It turns out he was right. I'm not a millennial, but hey, shout out to the millennials, 1981 to 1996. I see you, Drew. Hey, all right. And then my generation, 1997 to 2012. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Jack. 1997 to 2012. Now, my goal for today isn't to speak to you parent to parent. I'm glad you asked why. It's because I ain't a parent. (laughs) And I'm not about to have y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, like I'm a parent. Well, he don't know what he's talking about. I'm not coming to you as a parent. I'm coming to you as the big brother of my generation. As the big brother of my generation. And when, when... when I was a kid, I grew up in a, in a family of, of uh, seven, seven siblings, and I was the youngest. And if we wanted my parents to understand something as a younger siblings, we want mom and dad to understand what we're going through, how we're, what we're dealing with. And what we would do is we would go to our older siblings and go, hey, can you talk to mom? Can, can, you, can you talk to dad? I need, I need them to understand something. I need, I need them to understand something, and, and you have two things that I need. You have relatability. You relate to me. You're on the ground with me. You know what I go through because you go through the same things. But then also, big brother, big sister, you have influence. You have influence and maturity that I don't have. And so I'm, I'm, I want you to understand the approach before I get into it. I, I need you to understand my heart that I'm coming to you as a big brother saying, hey, listen, I relate to them. I'm on the ground with them. I go through a lot of the same things that they're going through. But then also, I have the maturity to articulate what it is they may not be able to articulate for themselves. And I want you to understand because they need someone to fight for them. And so that's what this whole message is going to be about. It's going to be about me convincing you that the next generation needs fighting for. Needs fighting for. And so we're going to go in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 15, and we're going to start off like this. It says this. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, kind of like how I was whenever I first met him at a camp. Overwhelmed with awe. And they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the demon, the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And then Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up 
with you. Bring the boy to me, Jesus said. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. He replied, sorry, verse 21, how long has this been happening, Jesus said. Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he's been a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Isn't it funny how the spirit was unsuccessful in taking out that boy's life? That there was a hedge of protection over that. It's trying to, but unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. If you can, verse 23, what you mean if I can, Jesus said, what you mean? We just sang this earlier. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. If a person believes, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And I want to speak from this subject this morning. The future is in our homes. The future is in our homes. I, I want to name it a different thing. The future is in this house. The future is in this house. In this house. Because this, this message isn't just going to be for parents who have children, but also for spiritual parents who are called to raise up God's children. Futures in this house. There's one undeniable truth about this father in this scripture. That's a good daddy. That's a good daddy. That's a dad who is willing to fight for his son. That's a dad who's willing to do anything for his son. That's a good dad. And as I was reading this scripture, it dawned on me. He isn't a good dad because he's willing to fight for his son. He isn't a good dad because he knew he had to fight for his son. No, I realized that this dad was a good dad because he knew who to fight and he knew how to fight. He knew who to fight and how to fight. And the reason why I bring this up is because one of the enemy's tactics is to make you illusioned to the real battle, that you would spend your time and your energy fighting the wrong fight. And this father knew I could spend my energy fighting for the success of my child, or I can spend my energy fighting for the spiritual health of my child. And he knew who to fight and how to fight. And growing up, oh, my God, my parents were, were amazing. My parents were amazing. They did a lot of things right with me. They fought for me in so many areas. A part of my story is um, I was an actor uh, in, in my teenage years. I, I played in movies and I played in, in TV shows and, and all these other things. And I should have brought a video, but, I don't, you know, it's fine. You don't worry about it. Look at it later. Uh, but they fought for me in areas of my career to make me successful. I mean, we would sit in front of Walmart 
and, and fundraise. And I remember one time we fundraised $10,000. I mean, we spent almost every single day in Walmart, like in the front of Walmart, fundraising so that I could get on a plane and go to LA and go and, go and audition for something. I mean, they, they fought for me. I remember one time my dad quit his job. Like, yeah, that boy was making money, too. Like, he was making money. And he quit his job just so that I could be successful in my career. And so what happened was I eventually moved out to Beverly Hills, and I moved with my manager, and I stayed with her, and, oh, my God, it was fun. We had so much fun. And my, my dad, uh, he, he had to quit his job and ended up coming move uh, to, to Beverly Hills with me. And, um, and it was great. I had, a, I had a good time. They fought for me. And in the area that I was fought for is the area that I was successful in. And the area that I was fought for was the area that I was successful in. But in the area that was neglected, I remember sitting in the room in Beverly Hills. Raise your hand if you would like to take a vacation in Beverly Hills right now, free, all, the, all paid expense. Raise your, come on, raise your hand. You got to be embarrassed. We, we know you want a vacation. That's all right. <laughs> I was in Beverly Hills chilling. I was depressed. I was lonely. I was addicted to pornography. When I looked into the mirror, I didn't like what I saw. I felt like I was ugly. Can I just be vulnerable? I felt like I was ugly. I felt, I felt insecure about myself. And I would go back to school and people would cheer me on. Isaac, you, oh my God, we... And on the surface, I felt like a man. But deep inside, I was, I was empty. And I wish my parents would have been aware of the battle that was going on internally. The battle that was going on inside of me. And I'm here to remind us that there is a battle that our students are fighting. And it's not the battle of being successful. It's not the battle of climbing the ladder. It's the battle of their souls. And that is a real battle. Ephesians chapter 6 says it like this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. First Peter chapter 5 says it like this. Stay alert! Exclamation point. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Watch out. Watch out. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And it just so happens that the people he's devouring are the ones who don't know how to fight for themselves. The next generation. The next generation. And so I'm here to remind us that the enemy is attacking the most vulnerable. If you ask me, the most vulnerable generation. Why are they the most vulnerable? Because they have grown up access with childlike mindsets. 
They have grown up access. With childlike mindsets. And what we do is we put it right in front of their face. Expecting them not to find anything. Well, my child would never look at porn. I'm going to say it to you like Josh McDowell said it. Come on, mom. Come on, mom. They're not looking for porn. Porn is looking for them. They're not looking for temptation. Temptation is looking for them. And what do they do when they're faced with the battle of their lives? If we don't fight for them, what do they do? Because here's the truth. Ignorance isn't power. Awareness is power. And what we do is we just go, here, here you go, take that. And I'm not going to talk to you about any of that. You know, you know, if I don't tell you about it, you'll never find out. Josh McDowell said, come on, mom. They're finding out about it at school, on social media. Vulnerable generation. And I'll, I'll, just for a second, I need you to understand the weight of this battle. Let me, let me, let me give you a peek into it. Statistically, nine out of 10 boys and six out of 10 girls are exposed to pornography online before the age of 18. That's 90% of boys and 60% of girls, and that number is only rising. That boy that asked your girl to prom, 90% or 10%. I need you to feel the weight of the battle that our next generation, our students are going through. Did you know that teen suicide attempts increased dramatically during quarantine? Increased dramatically suicide attempts. Because of social media, students are more depressed, more anxious, and more numb than ever before. And here's the craziest truth. My generation is the most connected generation of all time, but also the loneliest. That you could be in a room full of people and still feel like you're by yourself. Our students are struggling. And it's our responsibility. It may not be our fault, but it's our responsibility to raise them up, to equip them, to fight for them. And here's what I've learned. They need people who are aware of the real threat. They need people who are aware of the real threat. And I want to spend the rest of our time looking at Mark 9. I want to look at this father who fought for his son. I want want to take the rest of our time and just glean from what he did. And um, I think it's really going to be helpful today. Three ways to fight for our students. 
Mark 9, 19 says it like this. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, he said. He said, bring the boy to me. (laughs) And I love this part. So they brought the boy. So they brought the boy. First thing we do to fight for our students, prioritize the village. Prioritize the village. I have a student who, um, who was struggling in some areas, and this was a couple of weeks ago, and, and I remember sitting with him backstage, and we were just talking, and he's being discipled by uh, the kids director, Ryan, who's doing a phenomenal job in there, and he's also being discipled by me, and I remember the key words, he said it just like this. He said, yeah, man, I'm doing great. Right now, I'm being super discipled. <laughs> And it let me know that it takes a village. It takes a village to raise up, to raise up a child of God. Here's my question for you. Who else is bringing your student to Jesus besides you? It said in the scripture, so they brought the boy. Are you the only one bringing your child to God? Or do you have a group of people Locked arms, side to side, fighting with you as you fight with them. Prioritize the village. You ever heard the saying, it takes, a child, it takes a village to raise a child? Well, I put it to you like this. It takes spiritual family to raise a child of God. It takes spiritual family. And the truth is, there's a lot of villages that are willing to raise your child. Culture wants to raise your child. I promise. Social media wants to raise your child. School systems want to raise your child. But spiritual family is what it takes to raise a child of God. I love the fact that the father in this story didn't just surround himself with any type of village. Now it says in Mark 9, 15, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. Get you some people that's overwhelmed with Jesus and and, and, and awe with Jesus and respect Jesus and, and love Jesus. Get you some people around you that are committed and devoted to Jesus that'll fight for your child biblically like you would fight for your child. Get you some people that are overwhelmed with awe when the presence of God is in the room. Prioritize spiritual family. This is why I love small groups. Small groups is biblical. I love small groups because it feels good being in rows, but life change happens in circles. That when you get in a circle of people that are dealing with the same things you're dealing with and you grab arms and you pray together and you fight together, there is something that shifts inside your life. Small groups. And a shameless plug, if you haven't joined a small group... Join a small group. Number two, the second way that we fight for our students is we prioritize their surroundings. We prioritize their surroundings. Mark 9, 18 says it like this. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes Rigid. Now that's pretty dramatic. 
<laughs> when I thought about this scripture, I couldn't help but think about what I would do when I didn't want to go to school in the morning. And my mom told me I had to go. I would get to the ground violently. I would get rigid. I don't want to go. Either that or I act like I'm sick. <laughs> don't act like you didn't do that. I know y'all did that. Nah, I'm just playing. But the crazy part is my mom would still make me go to church. I mean, school. She would still make me go to school. I don't want to go to school. you going to school. Mom, I don't want to. Uh, you're going to school. Please, Mom, I don't want to go. Boy, you're going to school. Get up. Anybody else had a mama like that? We didn't play at all. You're just like, that was my mama. But you know, I, I wish, I wish my mom would have said the same thing about church. I wish. Mom, I don't want to go. Boy, you're going to church, right? Like, like I wish my mom would have did the same thing about church that she did, but I don't want to push religion on them. Well, I'll tell you what, the enemy don't have that mindset. He's going to push everything on your child. He's going to push everything on your child. We're fighting. We're fighting. And the truth is, what I would have been introduced to in the youth group could have been the very things that kept me from falling into what I was introduced to at school. Would have saved me. And here's the truth. Parents, spiritual parents, those who have young kids who will be teenagers, here's the truth. If they don't stand for something, they'll fall for anything. If they don't stand for something, they'll fall for anything. And that's why we as a church, we create environments for your students to not just love God, but be in community with those people their age who also love God. That's why we do student night at five o'clock on Sundays. You go on a student night. That's why we do camp and, and conferencing and all these things so that your student can have the opportunity to be in an environment to meet God. They need to be in environments to meet God. I, I have this student, and I love this student so much. He, he loves music, and he's a rapper. And when he, when he first came to, to student nights, uh, he was real rough around the edges. And uh, he's still rough around the edges. And you know, God can use that. He can use that. And um, so he would come, and I remember the first, first day I met him, I took him back to the grand piano backstage, and, and, I, and I just started playing something for him, and, and he started, like, rapping. And I was like, okay, cool. But he started, he was, like, cursing and everything. And I was like, oh, all right, man. Like, all right, like, we, hey, look, that's all right. That's all right. You coming? Are you here in church? Let's go. Let's go, you know? And sometimes you got to catch him dirty. What Pastor Sean at? What Pastor Sean? Dang it, he's not in here. You got to catch him dirty. Now he might be somewhere up there. <laughs> you catch him dirty. And so he started coming to student night consistently. And now it's gotten to the point where he's still rapping, he's still making music, but now he's doing it for the Lord. Now he's doing it for God. And here's the truth. His desires changed because his surroundings changed. His desires changed because his surroundings changed. 
And here's, here's, here's what we have to know. Here's what we have to know. This is, this is what we need to do with our students. Listen closely to this. Don't let their desires choose their surroundings. Let their surroundings choose their desires. Let their surroundings choose their desires. And the truth is, they may know what they want, but God has equipped you with what they need. He has equipped you with what they need. And now this reminds me of the, the Israelites, right? When they were in the wilderness and they were, they were running away from Pharaoh, running away from Egypt. And they were in the wilderness and they weren't in slavery anymore, but it was still painful because it was a process that they had to go through in order to get to the promised land. That's a whole nother message in itself. But they were complaining about the process. The Israelites were complaining about going to the promised land because it was difficult in the moment. I don't want to go. That's a, it, that's the, it, doesn't that sound like us? I don't, I don't want to go. I don't, don't want to. Right? And they were willing to go back to slavery instead of being uncomfortable in the process that would have brought them to the promised land. And isn't it human nature? To rather sit in bondage than to work for freedom. Human nature. So they're going to say, I don't want to go. No, you're going to student night. (laughs) They're going to say it. And I'll say this last thing about this and then we'll go to point three. I love how Pastor Don says it. I love how he says it to his children. He says it like this. I'm willing to sacrifice your short-term happiness in order to promote your long-term health. That's beautiful. That I would be willing to sacrifice your short-term happiness so that you can be successful and healthy and free in the long run. We have to prioritize their surroundings. And then last point, we, we have to prioritize our beliefs. Prioritize your beliefs. Mark 9, 22 says it like this. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Say that with me. Anything is possible if a person believes. Say it again. Anything is possible if a person. Say it one more time. Anything is possible. Anything, anything is possible if a person believes. You know, what you believe has a lot to do with how they behave. What you believe has a lot to do with how they behave. The enemy is is attacking the next generation left and right. He's attacking them through broken families, divorce, stepmom, stepdad. He's attacking them through tragedies, temptation, social media. Family, we need to believe for them that we as a church 
need to prioritize what we believe for them. And uh, like I said, this message isn't just for those who have students. There's some people in this room right now, and you may not have a student, older or younger, but God has placed an anointing on your life to raise his next generation. Thank you, Jory. Thank you, Megan, wherever you are, for helping steward our students. God has placed an anointing on y'all to do just that. And I believe that there's people all over this room who God has placed an anointing to do the same. Today, here's what we discovered. Here's what we learned from a good father who was aware of the battle. We learned to prioritize spiritual family. We learned to prioritize their surroundings. And we learned to prioritize our beliefs. But there's one thing that he did that if he didn't do this one thing, this whole story wouldn't make any sense. This one thing that he did that changed the whole trajectory of not only his son's life, but I believe his life as well. He prioritized his relationship with Jesus. Prioritized his relationship with Jesus. Truth is, Jesus is the foundation of this story. I know we've talked about the father and and what he's done, but the truth is, he had doubt. And God met him where he was. Jesus is the foundation of this story. Without Jesus, there would have been no healing. And the truth is, Jesus is also the foundation of my story. And I told you about how I met God when I was at camp. That began the journey of my relationship with God. But it was a process. It wasn't easy. I was broken. I was depressed. Five, six years ago, I would have never imagined that I would be speaking the word of God with such conviction. I would have never imagined that I would be in such a place that's healthy and spirit-filled. Y'all, I was broken. I was lonely. I was addicted. I was sexual. I was all these things. And it was a process. And it wasn't until I truly gave my life to Jesus that he was able to heal me and set me free. Jesus is the foundation of my story. And have you ever heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? 
the counterpart truth to that is healed people heal people. And the only reason I'm able to sacrifice my time and my energy for others is because I accepted the fact that Jesus sacrificed it all for me. That Jesus is my foundation. And maybe your first step isn't fighting for someone. Maybe your first step is allowing God to fight for you. You say, Isaac, you, you talked about some things that I'm dealing with. I know our students are struggling and the enemy's attacking them, but I'm going to be honest with you. He's attacking me in some of those areas too. And maybe your first step isn't fighting for someone. Maybe your first step is allowing God to fight for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give... I want to give an opportunity. For you to receive and accept the fact that Jesus paid it all. That God sacrificed his own son just so that you could defeat the enemy, be a conqueror, more than a conqueror. John 3.16 says it like this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that who, everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And if that's you and you say, I, I need Jesus in my life. I'm tired of dealing with these areas. I'm, I'm tired of struggling. I'm, I'm tired of having this weight on my chest. I'm, I'm tired of having this stress on my shoulders. I'm, I'm tired of fighting on my own. I'm, I'm tired of feeling alone. I'm, I'm tired of feeling depressed. I'm, I'm tired of feeling anxious. I, I, I'm tired. If that's you and you, you say, I need rest. I have good news for you. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and tired and I will give you rest. That if you accept me, if you accept me, that I will provide all your needs. For every single person in the room, every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if that's you and you say, I need Jesus, I want to make him my Lord and Savior, here's your opportunity right here. And it's, it's simple. It's as easy as ABC. A, you admit. You admit that I am a sinner. I've made mistakes. I messed up. I've fallen short. I admit it, God. I've made mistakes. I need you. B, you believe. You believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. You believe that he is the son of God and that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine. And then C, you confess. You confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. If that's you and you say, I want to accept Jesus Christ Right now, this is your moment. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, all I'm going to ask you to do is just lift your hand on three. And this is a simple moment, but it's a significant moment. This is the most important decision that you can make in your life. And if that's you and you want to make that decision, all I ask is that you lift your hands on three. One, two, three, lift them up all over the room. Lift them up high. Lift them up. Lift them up. I see you. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I see you. 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 Come on. I'm looking up. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Lord. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You can put your hands down. What a significant moment this is. And what we're going to do as believers, come on, we're going to say this prayer. Every single person out loud will say it like this. Come on, say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all of my heart, no matter what it costs me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.